Hi, I'm Gary Suarez, President and CEO of Cabbages, and I'm here today to tell you about a great new show coming to the Cabbages Podcast Network. Cabby Wabby. It's called Dunscast, and it's all about what the kids today call gaming. It's tense. Every week, New York rapper Dunscap and his co-host slash DJ Samurai Banana discuss video games, gaming culture, and their platonic male friendship. You can just feel us glaring at each other. Whether you're a Final Fantasy fanatic, a Fortnite dance champ, or simply a hip-hop head who can't live without a PS5, there's something here for you. Maybe you'll have something in common with us, and we could rescue you from your loneliness. It's funny, it's insightful, it's relatable, it even gets a little blue. But don't just take it from me, here's Dunscap himself to tell us why you should listen to this new podcast. Hey, hey, you might be sitting there thinking, I like hip hop and video games, but is there at least a place on the internet that I could listen to two friends talk about video games while also having an underlying code of interest that is hip hop? Maybe those two friends have made music together in the past, but don't talk about it at all because that would be lame. Instead, they talk about their favorite video games, maybe about each other, learn things along the way, and get controversial. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Am I supposed to like advertise this thing or? No, you're perfect. I hate being perfect. You're too perfect. I pretend to like things and I pretend to like Mike. Dunscast with Samurai Banana. Brought to you by the people who brought you the hip hop podcast, Cabbages, which Dunscap was on. Wink. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, it's your best friend, Rich Jones, and you're listening to the Cabbages Hip Hop Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Cabbages Hip Hop Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Suarez. I'm a music journalist and critic, and I write a twice-weekly hip-hop newsletter called Cabbages, which you can subscribe to for free at cabbageshiphop.com. Joining me as always is my bong-ripping co-host, music industry insider Jeffrey Lachlan. It's season three of the podcast, and the theme this time around is stoner comedies. So today, we'll be talking about Far Out Man, the 1990 Tommy Chong film that Entertainment Weekly called, quote, so weightless it barely gives you a contact high. Bummer, man. Now we'll get into the show in just a minute, but please, if you're listening and you haven't done this already, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. And if you could rate the show five stars, that would be even better. And if you could do all that and write a review, well, that'd be like groovy. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. Listen, if we can do a Fast and Furious movie, just one, just the first one, I think that you would join me in watching all of it. And that's what happened to me. I was like, all right, fine, I'll watch one. And I watched the first one, I was like, it's the best movie I've ever seen. And, and my roommate turned to me and said, oh, dude, you're in for such a good time.
and I've never looked back. They're all fantastic. What was the first one you watched? Fast and the Furious. So you watched from the beginning? From the very beginning. I started from the beginning and I went all the way through. In movie order, not chronological order, those are different. I, I, I think we should do that at some point, do a Fast and Furious run. I mean, we're in, we're in season three now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say we do this in like, I don't know, maybe season 12. Maybe we'll do that then. What do you think? That's a long time. Yeah, it is. That really hurts. When is Tremors? Uh, season uh, never. Huh. That's probably the easiest way to describe it. Boy, no, we, you know, we have like, look, we're the doing lack of respect that hurts the most. No, we're look, I thought we compromised. OK, this season with the stoner comedies, <laughs> we picked we picked a place where we had some common ground. Mm-hmm. We're not going back into these things. where You're like, oh, let's watch Leprechaun movies. Like we're not like going okay, back into those. So areas. I want but I watched Hubie Halloween two and a half times for this podcast. And you want and me I to feel, watch. I still feel like I have not been compensated fairly as well far as, as, well, far as our tete-a-tete well you're wrong but also um how am i wrong life doesn't work that way i um, don't care life is about what unfair. you think about life dog. life is unfair yeah Jeffrey. whatever that doesn't mean you can't ask for things you want i'm, I'm how sorry else do you know that i want them i'm not watching 10 fast and the furious movies because you didn't enjoy an adam sandler comedy it's just not happening but okay cool then just watch seven trimmers movies no, again, that that's a completely off balance way of doing things. That is like, a how is that not perfectly balanced? No, Ask anyone who's seen the Fast and Furious series, and they'll be like, "Dude, you're winning. Just like, take the dub." Aren't you having more fun this season? Like, aren't you having fun just like Gary, I have fun getting high and watching stoner movies? Like, this is softball. I'm just like ta- I'm throwing it underhanded to you. You want you want to know what's going on with this with this series? Yeah, what's going on? Far Out Man was great. It was a great movie. I have a lot of thoughts about Far Out Man, and most of them are positive. And there's something like like any movie made in that time with drugs in it. There's some really dumb nonsense that is just not necessary. But it's a pretty minimal amount, I think, for like the movies I've seen in my time. Uh, and I laughed consistently through this thing. It's the kind of film where is in any good stoner comedy, it is not about the plot. Not in the least. The plot is unimportant in this movie. And that's something that makes me so happy is that a successful stoner comedy is what about band the did journey. Work for? Is about the journey. What band did he work for? <laughs> I still don't know. What band did he work for, Gary? He just rolled up with a whole bunch of instruments and was like, I'm the roadie. The whole movie. And everybody was like, all right, man, hurry up. Like they were... But who was Brody? The band was already playing every time he got there. It's like, I don't understand. It's like a full wall of equipment. But like, we understand the purpose of the roadie is nothing to do with actually getting the stuff, getting to the show and getting things set up. But look, I we'll mean, get it. We're going to get into all that in a minute because I don't even want to, I don't even want to touch that topic until we have our guest on because there is, there is some amazing shit that happens during that section of the film. But the main thing I really want to take away is why I've been enjoying this season and why I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Is that for the most part, you're not sitting here thinking about plot. Right. You're sitting here and you're saying, Oh, that was funny. Oh, that's Uh funny. Uh That's funny. Movie over. 
And you don't come out of it going like, well, they really could have done something with this. It's when they're not funny that the uh, plot becomes agonizing. Like when we watched Your Highness, it's just like, right. no, I can't take it anymore. Right. Then it's you become too vested in plot. But when you watch a film like, I mean, like, let's just face it. Like there are plenty of inconsistencies in a movie like right. uh, Grow House or, right. you know, or The Beach Bum, you know, and you're just like, it doesn't matter. You had a good time. You got there. You enjoyed yourself. We can Gary, talk about it on a podcast, but like, Gary, yes, you are going to love the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> You're describing everything that happens to me every time I watch a Fast and Furious movie. And that may be the only thing that connects it to Far Out, man, but I just wanted to let you know. I'm not watching a Fast and Furious movie. I'm so excited to introduce our guest for today's show. Joining us now is Rich Jones. The Chicago rapper's most recent single is called Nike vs. Adidas, produced by Good Food. You can find that song and much of Jones's music, including last year's How Do You Sleep at Night album with Montana Max, available on Bandcamp and wherever music is streamed or sold. Hello, welcome to the show. Great to be here. I'm going to jump into it. This movie saved my life. It saved your life. So I had a vacation and part of that vacation like a lot of that vacation was just traveling around and like seeing a lot of people which is fantastic and feels good but also is wildly stressful and i forgot how stressful it was <laughs> so i spent this long period of time with my mother and i love her and she loves me it's a big deal it's really great to see her but also you reach a, a breaking point with parents sometimes and i was like ready to go nuts and gary and i planned to watch this movie at the same time together and boy was it incredible i loved this movie <laughs> and it like i was in a great mood and i hadn't i hadn't smoked weed in a long time because i was hanging around a lot of family and I, I got really high and this movie delighted me i was too high watching this movie is there such a problem i'd such a problem does not Look, exist 404 for error High enough, not found. No, for what you, a, a pure stoner who lives his life in this appreciate this way. Yeah, I mean, sure, compliment. Let's call it a compliment for the sake yeah, of argument. Yeah. I think we will. <laughs> for you, that's no such thing. For a normal person who you know takes an edible every now and then, uh, mm. I took way too many for this movie because I expected that I might not enjoy it. Gary, I think you could become a delightful stoner. I guess my question is, did did you didn't think you'd enjoy it? Was that before or after you knew Martin Mull was in it? That's what I want to know. Cause this because yeah, I didn't I didn't even know Martin Mull was in it. I had my concerns watching all that disgusting food getting made. I'm like, man, I don't know about this. But then I saw Martin Mull and that kind of was like, okay, this instantly just like brought this up a notch for me. What a question. What a question. Nailed it. Gary. Oh, I'm allowed to answer it now. Thank you. Yes, Thank you, please. Thank you, <laughs> thank you Jeff, for responding for me and then not actually no saying anything. No, no it's great. It's, it's great. kind of what I do on the show. We're definitely getting back into the rhythm of the show after yeah. your, your lovely vacation with family. Yeah. The answer, uh, Rich, was no. Okay. I had not seen this film before. I had no real understanding of what this film was about beyond the, remembering what the poster was. When I was younger, I watched all of the Cheech and Chong movies. I like raided my parents' record collection and listened to the Cheech and Chong albums that they had, including Big Bamboo. And when I used to go to the video store, because that's how old I am, I would get video cassettes 
of Cheech and Chong movies and watched them repeatedly. So I was worried that as an adult, these films that I loved would not age very well and thus not reflect well on my viewing of the Tommy Chong solo vehicle. I, I kind of assumed the worst and planned accordingly by getting super fucking high. And I got to say, Martin Mull's presence definitely put me at ease. For sure. Totally. I, the, the, I, I guess my, my version of preparation was I, I obviously got stoned, but then mm. about mid-viewing, I was like, you know what? I have to order some Chinese food. <laughs> so I, I, I hadn't prepared accordingly in that regard, but I was like, all right, I'm just going to just like just make a, a bomb ass Chinese food order because th- this movie complements something that will maybe hurt me the next day. But I'm OK with it in the moment. I'm especially surprised to hear that after the opening credits, which cuts between Martin Mull and uh, Tommy Chong's daughter, Radon Chong, driving up and him, Tommy Chong making a disgusting mess of his kitchen. I'm surprised that your inclination was, I need to eat something. Well, I, I think, as I said, it was about mid-film when I made that determination. Mm. So I, 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 and I was stoned. So I kind of had, like, I think for my own sake, blocked that out a little bit. It's like, yeah, that was in the past. Like, we're in the present. Like, gross shit isn't happening right now. I can handle this, you know? Um, and, and also... I think having missing out on like the olfunctory element of it. Like if I have to be, if, if I was watching like the smellovision vision version of far out man, where Ooh. I have to be in the kitchen with Tommy Chong and smell what he's making, well then yeah, I'm not going to eat shit, you know, but, but luckily we're, we're living in, in 2021 smell vision is not a thing uh, yet. As far as I know, uh, unless like a Willy Wonka type is, is trying to make that happen. Um, so yeah, I, I was able, I was able to navigate, my appetite and what I had seen on the screen previously. I, you know, I, I can compartmentalize pretty well. So it worked out. Now, had you had much experience with the, uh, the work of Tommy Chong? The, the most that I'd seen of like actual Cheech and Chong stuff had been like, um, I, I don't know if, if y'all get WGN out in, in New York at all. Um, but uh, WGN was the, like the local superstation that went all over America. That's why the Cubs became so popular all over the country is because people could get WGN in like Colorado and shit. And they played in the afternoon. That too. That and too. nobody else was playing ever. So Oh yeah. And they were terrible. And I, we'd watch terrible Cubs games, my dad and I, for just sleep through them for years. Oh yeah. A, a great time for a nap Un- until like, you know, the late nineties, early thousands. And then, then Sammy came through and, and mm-hmm. delivered some excitement. But um, yeah. So like when, when my glimpses of it as a kid were like, Saturday afternoon movies on WGN. Like I, I remember vividly, there was like a scene where they're at a guitar center and they're just like fucking shit up and just going crazy in the guitar mm-hmm. center. I remember that. Th- this is pretty silly. I, I like this all right. And then, other than that, though, the the main the main experience I'd had, kind of, I guess, with their brand of humor was actually there was a, a National Lampoon Radio Hour sketch. Uh, where they were making, you know, they were making fun of Cheech and Chong. And uh, it was uh, it was it was them posing as Cheech and Chong and Cheech and Chong's trying to come up with sketches for the album. And and they decide that they're going to rip off Monty Python's Flying Circus and dress up like women. That's the 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 big conclusion of that. But then there's kind of like a Dave's not here sort of moment. You know, so mm. there, there's some familiarity with that. I got to be completely 100 percent with you. I, the other day I saw that that. Um, uh, the first Cheech and Chong movie was was up on on one of the services, and I was like, you know what? It's it's about time that I dive in. Um, I might this might be controversial, but 
I I started to watch it, but then I I kind of just couldn't. I personally couldn't get into it because once I realized he was a trust funder, it just turned me off, and I was like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> like I can't I can't watch this. I've known too many stoner trust funders in my life that I I just can't I can't deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I I probably should put that aside and tap back in and and see what's what. I I I know just in that moment I just couldn't handle it. I've been afraid to go back to those movies. I have like I loved those films when I was way too young. I didn't I didn't know what weed was was. I mean I knew what it was, but I had never smoked weed at that point. When I watched these films, I watched these films as like an eight year old. Right. These it was just a whole world of experience. I had a real interest in what was going on in the sixties musically uh, and what was going on in the seventies. I, I I was listening to a lot of comedy albums from that period, like George Carlin stuff and Cheech and Chong records mm-hmm. and Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, just that's what I was listening to. Like I loved and absorbed so much of that. And I watched a lot of comedy. And so now as somebody who was raised on that, I've been so wary of returning to these films. I did it. I, I decided to watch some with kind of presently, I guess, decided to watch some stoner comedies I'd never watched before mm-hmm. uh, on 420 last year. And one of them, I, I don't remember which one, but it was it was a painful watch. It was a very, very bad movie. And I had to stop at 30 minutes in because damn, there was an extended and I mean, long blackface scene. Like oh, I was in minute six yeah. and a half, like six and a half minutes into it, it was like, what, what am I doing? Like, this is so awful. But that was a later one. And apparently, you know, that's sort of, everyone kind of knows that that's the worst one. So I probably should have been more judicious. Looked it up. If you go back to these films, as I went back to the reviews of these movies, and so I went back to like the New York Times review of Things Are Tough All Over, which was uh, 1982. So we're pretty far along in their filmography at that stage. And like they're playing double characters. And like I think Tommy Chong plays what's described as an Arab businessman. Mm. And I just I just know that if I watch that now. You're going to be so mad. I'm going to be so mad. So mad. Don't do it. Leave it alone. When the jet, when the blues band played the first blues band that Four Out Man was actually in, yeah, they started in on a joke that I was like, "Oh God, oh don't do it, please don't ruin this." We've been having so much fun, and it actually ended up being, you know, pretty cool. It was not that bad a scene to me, uh, but man, we were like right on the borderline of like, "Oh, where are you going with this?" It's supposed to be the Linda McCartney joke. It's supposed to be right. the like, oh, you know, Tree, his uh, mm-hmm. his lady can't sing and they usually turn off her mic or whatever. And so right. like she's just echoing what what the main singer is doing, which is actually wild because they actually the guy who is in that, that's Bobby Taylor of uh, mm-hmm. of the oh, Vancouver's shit. of the Vancouver's. So for those of you who don't know out there. The Vancouver's, a Canadian group, signed to Gordy, uh, which was a Motown subsidiary. Mm. Chong was in that band before his comedy career. And they're like, biggest hit, Does Your Mama Know About Me, was like a Billboard Hot 100. Like, it was like, I hit like number 29 on the the Billboard charts in the U.S. That was one of the, so when I, so often when I'm watching movies that I don't have to necessarily like totally tap in on, I can kind of do other things like, I'll read up on the movie while I'm watching it. And that was one of the parts that really blew me away about Tommy Chong was like, he was on Motown and then wanted to be Barry Gordy. <laughs> and then he <laughs> obviously went off to, to become, you know, Tommy Chong. But yeah, even yeah. so I, I had, I, I was totally in the dark about his 
music career and and kind of just how far he had gotten with that which is you know obviously pretty fucking cool and it's interesting when you kind of think about like Dawkins being in this movie and and bobby taylor obviously coming back in and then also uh another interesting you know fun fact for for all you guys out there uh is that chong had directed most of the cheech and chong movies that came out in the 80s yeah. um but he also directed a music video huh and he directed and this is for uh this is definitely in jeff's wheelhouse uh, he directed the music video for Toto's uh, Without Your Love, uh, which, which was a chart, a billboard chart. It was a top 40 hit. He did the music video and I, I watched it and it is ridiculous. No shit. It is ridiculous and totally what you expect a Toto video in 1986 to be like, which is, you know. Do you think they just went in with that note? Hey, man, we need somebody to make the most Toto thing they can make. And we thought of it first. Just some off the wall shit. <laughs> The name that popped into my head in the bright lights was Tommy Chaw. <laughs> Whoever was the singer at that time, because I believe they were on like singer number four or whatever, is just like sulking around an empty house. And then it's just like guitar uh -oh. solo in an empty house. And it's just like, <laughs> it's so hard on sleeve. And it, the treatment for this video must have been written on a fucking post-it note. There's just no <laughs> way that any real thought went into this. Like they didn't even oh, yeah. furnish the goddamn place, but I mean, it's like that's what it is. So the point is, like, there's there's like a mu a love for music that he has that he kind of finds a way to put into this film. As you know, bands and movies go, like, this was a really fun bunch of music. Like, this was curated, really. Like, who's more fun than Dawkins? The Farts. Exactly. <laughs> the only band that's more fun than them is the Farts. <laughs> I during Jeff and my viewing together, which we did remotely and kind of just were texting each other back and forth, the realization that Farts was a real band was truly mind blowing. Like th there yeah, is a band totally. that existed called the Farts. There's a punk band called the Farts. That's awesome. I love it so much. That was a delight. But you know, I think we could talk a lot about music, and I think we're going to get back into music in this when we talk about some of the other folks who are in this film. Um, but I think it might be worthwhile to get into just the, the core of this. And something that Jeff and I were talking about before is like the plot wasn't particularly important to us. We were kind of just enjoying the journey of this. But it was hard as you're watching this not to just realize how many members of Tommy Chong's family populate this movie. Like all of them. All of them. <laughs> like, the honestly, family. if anything... He achieved a goal that I have, which is eventually to create some sort of vehicle that allows me and all my loved ones to join SAG. And and I think he <laughs> achieved that with this movie. Um, you know, everyone's catching royalties from here on out, um, whether that's off of USA or whatever streaming service. I mean, you know, way to go, Team Chong. They, they crushed it there. I should point out that his daughter, who is actually from his first marriage, Ray Dawn Chong, mm -hmm. um, she already had an acting career prior to this film yes and uh opposite c thomas howell who appears in this film as c thomas howell um they i believe met on the set of the movie soul man since we're talking about blackface i just want to get into this the yes, actors okay. that are playing themselves in this film absolute delights <laughs> just an incredible incredible uh cameo well it's not even a cameo judd nelson's a cameo Judd Nelson's a cameo. C. Thomas Howell is like C. Thomas Howell is he is a supporting like a cast character member in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Multiple they scenes. They both are incredible. Like they're both perfect. 
I can't be happier with C. Thomas Howell that he followed up the Soul Man, C. Thomas Howell as the Soul Man. Uh, yes, with, and with and references it and references it this. in this film. It references it in the movie. Yeah, yeah. The scene where he gets arrested uh, towards the end, his like comeuppance for not really having done much of anything wrong, mind you, other than kind of be a jerky guy. Yeah, like just a vain, like, just a vain dude. Yeah, just playing that. He gets arrested and he shouts like, "I'm C. Thomas Howell, the Soul Man." as if that's gonna mean mean anything to a cop that's one of the that's one of the highlights of this film for me for sure you remember i'm I'm the guy that did the movie where i was in blackface the whole time i mean hey man cops are racist as hell so you know that that was kind of maybe a calculated risk you know to yell that out you know like i was i was reading somebody posting on twitter the other day talking about when they used to get pulled over in the south they would just say they were an audio slave tribute group and every cop would just get amped and let them go so i mean you know that that might be a higher percentage shot than we're letting on and also i had never considered audio slave as like the cop band but now i know they're the cop band. well rage against machine certainly isn't the fucking cop band i need no proof i just know (laughs) it's like i love that band you know, if we were the kind of show that did merchandise, like we would just make audio slave lives matter bumper stickers Damn. Uh, for this. But <laughs> you could put those on your car and just never get pulled over. Again. Never. You would never. Like people put it's, the it's, police it's, donation stickers. Exactly. On their cars. Same deal. Exact same deal. Just put an audio slave sticker in your car. And no one will ever pull you over. In at least 42 states, you're fine. Yeah. Good point. Maybe 43. Maybe 40. And, and, Which one and, are you and, including? Um... Rhode Island. Which one push you over? That Rhode makes Island. a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Rhode Island you know. does make sense, yeah. And then yeah. The, the the then the territories, you know, you know, the jury's definitely out on that. We we don't know. But no, yeah, no. I, I think I think Rhode, Rhode Island's on the bubble. Yeah, I think that's contiguous that's... United States. It's it's a a huge amount of that. Guam, good luck. Good luck in Guam. <laughs> Is this supposed to be an R-rated family comedy? Like, is that the intention of this film? I think so. There's like one topless scene in the film. There's one kind of simulated sex scene that is also a pretty funny gag um, uh, between Tree and... He's just far out, man. I mean, he is Mr. Man. Martin Mull calls him Mr. Man. He's far out man otherwise. He's bunny to Tree. Um, But like... It's that other than that, like there's nothing like hugely salacious. It's drug humor. It's a lot of sight gags. It's some of the rhythms of Cheech and Chong jokes. Like it is a family comedy that you could take your emotionally, uh, your your emotionally mature 10 year old to go see. I, I could see that. I could say I I, I have my, you see, would like my, cover I, their eyes during the during the sex scene and they'd be getting over. It's a classic thing. Yeah. Movies that sort of stretch, just a little stretch of, uh, of, of you know, R-ratedness, just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I know Jeff. You. There's also a fantastic cocaine scene that we'll get into later. Oh, we got oh, look, that cocaine scene could be the entire episode of this podcast. I would love to talk about that. Um, but, okay. but let's. You can continue this part if you'd like. I'm just, just all I was. I'm sorry to say, I brought it up because now that's all we're going to be thinking. Oh about. my god! You know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. We can get <laughs> back to the shit. Yeah. Everybody, anybody who's listening to this, who watched this fucking movie, knows what it is. If you look up on YouTube right now, and you search just Ronaldo Ray, who plays Lou, incredible comedy legend, 
I, okay. If you look him up on YouTube right now. Listen, hold on. Let me let me just put it this way. Let, let's talk about his filmography for less than 30 seconds. Go. Harlem Nights, watched it multiple times. Mm. Absolute masterpiece. Far Out Man, watched it once. Great. Couple I don't know. White Men Can't Jump, watched it multiple times. Fantastic. Bebe's Kids, watched it multiple times. I was a child. <laughs> House Party Three watched it multiple times. Part oh my of, God, the House Party Three of all time. That's seen in House Party and Three. And then Friday. And then the greatest re- movie of all time. What a run! I mean, like, stop. That's from some Kinks level shit in the '60s and '70s. Like, and think about like at that point, like, so Harlem Nights was obviously kind of the real thing that kind of separated. Because before that, Ronaldo Ray, who fucking steals this movie, steals it. Right was from out from already he was already a known quantity in comedy mm-hmm. yeah like red fox was his mentor he did yep. stand up he did comedy albums yeah like and there's just something that happened with harlem knights that started him on this path of really being i'll a tell TV you what movie started. guys i'll tell you what started it because i watched harlem Nights like 150 times with my dad and red fox and he have an exchange that I'm not gonna like try to you know explain because explaining comedy is really stupid. Just go watch the fucking movie. It's great. It's a great movie. But their exchange at a craps table is, I mean, like the whole movie is full of incredible exchanges, but that one is so so good. And everybody that got that movie popped out into the into the mainstream. That's what got them Bay Bay's kids. Him and Robin Harris were both in that movie, mm. and they never would have made a Bay Bay's kids if it weren't for him being both of them being in Harlem Nights. That movie popped everybody off. Della Reese popped off in that movie. Would she have been able to do Touched by an Angel if she had had her picky toe blown off? I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with question. you and hit somebody with a garbage can. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, okay, we might, let's, we might let's have talk to- about, Let's talk about Far Out, man. Sorry. We, have to, we might have to reserve Harlem Nights for a whole other fucking I've, show, because, oh my God. But listen. The best movie. So for like, the drinkers and the smokers. Oh, yeah. So Ronaldo Ray is amazing. And then for the hip-hop heads out there, because this is a hip hop podcast, you know Reynaldo Ray. If you have Ghostface Killers, Big Doe Rehab, or Red Man's Dares a Dark Side in your collection, he's on both those records. He's the best. He's great. And like, there's no, if you go and you look on YouTube and just search his name, you will find within like the first two results the cocaine scene from Far Out Man, a movie that time has forgotten, mm. but there's nothing quite like this scene I, I don't even know because jeff and i have kind of been riffing but like but rich like what were your impressions on this particular moment in the movie i mean it i i think i the the part that stuck out to me is the, the timidity of the pharmacist they're just like oh oh you know cocaine you know it just like that 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 part really hit me um I, I think I was more so I wasn't really sure where it was going to go. I, I didn't think he was going to fool him. Um, so when when he's out there saying this is the best shit I've ever done, I was like, oh, shit, I can't believe they pulled it off. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I uh, I definitely it, it was it, I guess you could call it the nail biter part of the movie where I was like, oh, shit, like some shit could go down if he pisses this guy mm-hmm. off. Like, how's Tommy going to get out of this one? You know, there were mo- yeah, there were moments where you were sort of like actually invested even yeah. though the movie kept telling you like don't worry about anything yeah like like there's a good, like, everyone's gonna make it out but like will they make it out with like all of their appendages or digits right. you know like you know who, who's to say um but yeah no i i was uh 
I was I was very amused when when the the twist comes in that this is supposedly quote unquote the best shit he's ever had. You know, it's like okay, well, way to go, way to go, Chong. Mm. When I when I when we watch these movies, I often try to write down the one liners and the lines that make me laugh. And I have three from this scene alone that I wrote down that just did. just oh man, just just like and like three and like I want to so, be able to quote the whole. Thing. I want if I want to go to an acting class, yeah. I want to go to an acting class. And I want them to be like, okay, it's monologue day or whatever happens in acting mm-hmm. classes. I've never done one. Uh, and you and I want my my monologue or whatever, my my scene that I have to do that day to be that scene. I think that's a pretty problematic, to be honest, Jeff. Probably, um, but it's so good. It. It's so there's so many quotes. One of the best lines that Tommy Chong has in the movie is after the pharmacist scene where he has convinced the pharmacists <laughs> to just give him some kind of white powder. And they're suddenly like, yeah, we, we can make that happen for you. It's like, oh, OK, he's you see him then sitting at this table, chopping up like like basically chopping up aspirin and like. OK, first he, of all, he goes into the place. And he says a pharmacy and says, do you have cocaine? He says, do you, he says, do you have coke? And then yeah, he yeah. like, sh- and then he, then he, sh- then after there's a confusion <laughs> about a can of Coke, sh- and this is just how old Tommy Chong was like 53 when this movie is made. Like Tommy Chong, like the way that he shows, he simulates cocaine usage for the pharmacist's benefit is basically by simulating a Coke spoon. I think just, just based off peripheral knowledge, I feel like that's more for like the ketamine people at like raves mm. or whatever. But um, it, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I feel like what, what makes, what makes it, I guess sort of believable why he might just ask that question. I was, I'll never forget. I was reading a uh, part of that Keith Richards uh, book from like, I don't know, like how many years ago that was, but he was talking about how back in the day they used to just get like pharmaceutical grade cocaine. And yeah. he was talking about how they got pulled over in some Southern state and they had, they had the good shit, quote unquote, like the, the, the Merck pharmaceutical shit. And so I feel like that that's just like a throwback to the days where you, you know, you could get, you know, quaaludes and and pharmaceutical cocaine. Uh, you know, you know, versus you know whatever the hell else, you know, you, huh. you would get circa 1990. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, definitely uh definitely ridiculous. Yeah. And then adding that ridiculousness in this film is the next scene is Tommy <laughs> Chung chopping up basically over the counter medicines. Um and well, he says <laughs> and he, well, his kid is this kid is next to him, and it's just like a little more niacin for the rush. That stuff will really mess your head up. Oh. And it's just like niacin, like that's niacin. about as like that's about as 1990 as it gets. You're talking about fucking niacin. niacin. It's like this. Do they even make? Is that was that Advil? Was it Advil that made the niacin? Which one has niacin? Because I feel like that was like the benefit <laughs> of the product. I'm looking they, it up. They advertised it in commercials as like this is the one with niacin in it. Like I'm supposed to know what the fuck that is and what that does. But niacin then, is is vitamin B. Well, it's I'm a it's a, a vitamin B three. I'm learning things every day. And it's it's actually kind of bad for you. Apparently, it can cause liver problems, stomach ulcers, changes to glucose levels, muscle damage, low blood pressure, heart rhythm changes, and other issues, according to WebMD. But it's also, in Lou's words, the meanest shit he ever tooted. Yeah, I mean, you're already kind of probably killing yourself by doing cocaine in the first place, so fuck it. That's not the first time we see Ronaldo Ray in the film, but that's the first time that we know that, holy shit, this is the guy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this is the moment, and the way that they show his reaction when he snorts the fake Coke is just, <laughs> it starts with, it starts with the fisheye lens on his face. And it's just like, it's just, it's, you can just, they I get just, the I, whole lean down, they get everything. 
is a full reaction shot. I don't know enough about Reynaldo Ray's life to be able to say how versed he was, because he has passed, uh, with cocaine. Yeah. But if he hadn't done cocaine, he knew plenty of dudes that did, because oh, he yes. fucking He hung out with it. Red Fox, who uh, there you go. the most cocaine of all time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it starts with the fisheye lens, and then it zooms out to the body doing all these moves and just you realize <laughs> you realize with 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 him that he's just like he's not just funny he's also a great physical comedian yes he can pull it off which shows up later with the electrocution which was amazing that whole bit with the guitar electrocution is resuscitation and then i actually think even more so than that is the aftershocks that he experiences as he walks to the payphone and makes the phone call where he's just (laughs) 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 I feel like this is a just a delight he's so delightful in this film we all would have been happy watching an entire movie that's just these two people right yes easily the fact that they weren't ever given the keys to a buddy cop just shows you that Hollywood has never known what to do with itself I mean that honestly yeah, I n- now now that I think about it, like that's a grand missed opportunity. I, I think the, the the only way we can pull this off is like if we get better at deep fakes or something, and then mm. may- maybe we can you know kind of find a way to to put something together you know posthumously. But yeah, no, that that's a a real that's a tragedy. It's a shame that their paths never crossed again because I feel like in comedy you have this rare magic of the of a of a duo and. Right. Cheech and Chong had that. And I think like uh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor absolutely had that. Some of my favorite movies as a kid were the Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor matchups. Oh, absolutely. And so I feel like we could absolutely have done with like, after this film, if it had done well, which it did not, if it had done well, you could have justified a vehicle for the two of them together. Can you imagine a grumpy old men starring those two guys? Holy cow. That I mean, that Ugh. would be better than grumpy old men. And grumpier <laughs> old men. By far yeah, and like grumpier and more stoned. Or uh, at least have them be one of some of the neighbors. Yeah, that would have Who, been Oh man. That would, one one thing I want to point out speaking of like partnerships cuz one thing I was reading about was the the creative differences that drove apart Chong and and Marin in the first place is like yeah. I I got to I got to give Cheech Marin his flowers for the Keith Haring baseball cap. That shit was oh, fresh. That shit yeah. was so hard. Oh, and, yeah. But I think also and, it kind of like, I think highlights in general, his cameo was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. no, a- excellently placed. I, but it also, I think highlights exactly, you know, where they're at. Where like one of them, I think is trying to obviously be more serious. And one of them wants mm-hmm. to keep the band going. And, you know, you literally can see that in that scene where, you know, button up, you know, very cool Keith Haring hat, you know, he, he on his cool guy shit. Um, and then, you know, Chong is, is Chong. Truth is, is like at that point, Cheech Marin was having big screen success. You know, he directed his own yeah, company. He says it in the movie. Like, like 1987's I got, I got Born in all over this town. Why am I, why am I even here? Oh, his, the, <laughs> the line is, why am I doing this movie? I've got development deals all over town. <laughs> all over town. <laughs> which, which really, if, if we're gonna get it, if we're get, breaking of the walls, if we're gonna get into this, like how this movie is really, in addition to being R-rated family comedy, and a, a buddy comedy, we would have loved to have seen between him and Ronaldo Ray. This movie is an indictment of Hollywood, and it is constantly poking at or breaking fourth walls. Yes, absolutely. 
That is one example of that. Another is Martin Mull as Dr. Lytledeek uh, or Dr. Uh. Littledeek. Uh, during okay, the hip- Deke, what was his what was his job title uh, he, i don't know i wrote I, down psychological right. hypnotherapist okay i was gonna write a uh, huckster uh, down for mine okay very much so and I, like, I would just put martin mall because you know he's he's a man fair. of many talents you know fair enough Fair. But he says, That's your job now. but he says in that in early in the film where you kind of know that they're gonna they're gonna fuck around with you, is he's he's hypnotizing Tommy Chung, he's hypnotizing Farhat Man, and then he turns to the camera, like he's hypnotizing us, and he says, "You will like this film. Yeah, you will tell a friend." <laughs> and they it just, were right. They he were right. right. We, we're telling everybody. He was correct. Like I I have texted a few people and they're like, "Just run with this. Trust me." The Cheech Marin cameo is is really cool for a lot of reasons. One, it's like, yay, Cheech and Chong are together, which, as we were saying, Rich, because of kind of the the way in which they had parted. And Cheech was having all this great success, you know, born in East L.A. He did Rude Awakening after that with Eric Roberts, which I feel like is a prime candidate for this podcast at some point. Shit, he was getting Disney money, too. And then he did what? Yeah, because he did uh, Lion uh, King. No, well, no, he, well, no, he did uh, Oliver and Company. Oh, okay, but he did. He was he was in Lion King too, wasn't he? Oh, is he one of the hyenas? Yeah, he was one of the hyenas. And Whoopi Goldberg character was originally supposed to be she was supposed to be Tommy Chong. Oh yeah, no, he's uh, the voice of Bonsai. Yeah, that's the name of the character. And Chong had not matched that success. He had tried his hand at TV. He was show running, produced a fairly quickly canceled Paul Rodriguez sitcom in, in 1988 for CBS. I think it was called Trial and Error. Uh, originally called Amigos, but Paul Rodriguez didn't like that name. And this is Paul Rodriguez post Born in East LA, where he has an amazing character in that as, you know, as Cheech Marin's cousin who comes to the house and doesn't speak any English and thinks Jesus is talking to him because it's an answering machine. Born in East LA is a great movie. Please watch Born in East LA. Uh, but it's great to I'll see them together. It's great to see them together in that moment just because like it's it's just like, oh, anything you've heard about them not getting along, that was really cool. That I was just nice to I see. That I, I mean, I'm not an expert at this. I haven't read like biographies or anything. Sometimes we do that for the show. But... Well, you don't read books anyway, so. Oh, how dare you? My whole house is filled Damn, with Damn, shots fired. I You're worked at two man. separate bookstores and have an exotic book collection that I've read at least a third of. How exotic and how <laughs> rare? Uh, he has both British and American writers. I'm not a big Holy fan cow. of. I'm not a big fan of buying like rare books and cultivating those okay so, so so you would not play a character in the ninth gate got it no no i i but the the collection is really really weird like i i have a really strange collection it's kind of far out okay. because if you work at the at enough bookstores you just end up with weird stuff so like no no like alistair crowley type shit is is mainly just you know a, a spectrum of of you know just it's you know not non uh, non-occult type shit guy. yeah goosebumps and i'm Fear not Street. an occult guy Mostly Goosebumps books. Those are a cult. To me, that's a cult. Couple babysitters clubs. Which also, do you you guys want to go to Hippie Land or what? Hippie Land looks tight. Okay, that's another thing I really need to talk about how great Hippie Land is. What a weird, okay. It's super weird that it's there at all, right? Like this scene is wildly unnecessary. 
advances very little of anything, but it's also maybe the second best scene in the movie. And also, he's and rapping. I want he's to go and him, ride yeah. these ride. Like the designs are awesome, and it's like a weird science fictiony world. And he was like trying to make it in the movie, and it came to life in a way. And then, of course, like almost killed someone. <laughs> <laughs> this scene was animated. It couldn't. It couldn't build those sets, even if it was a dilapidated junkyard, essentially. That with this, so the bong ride, the lava lamp you got inside, oh, the nut Jim, drop, Jim, Jimmy's balls. I want to go inside a lava lamp. This is like he nailed it, man. The the nut drop is kind of crazy because that that's almost <laughs> reminiscent of uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a theme park that was in Chicago called. Now this is the regional part of this of this part. Okay, there was a, there was a theme park, uh, infamous. I think it was called Lakeview. Because it was right on, uh, or no, I'm sorry, R Riverview, Riverview. Um, because it was on on the Chicago River, and one of the rides that they had, my dad actually rode this back in the day. It was like a like a Ferris wheel, but it would it would parachute you off at the top, and oh. you would you would just be on a bench with a parachute above you as you gently went to the ground. So that that one really what? brought me brought me Wait. back to like watching footage of that. Yeah, this is this is some like you know before Ralph Nader got his teeth into it type of shit, you know. Um wow. yeah and then so, so the that fuck are you kidding me? Not kidding. That's you. the wildest shit I've ever heard. They just I know. floated down to the ground. Oh man. Yep. Yeah. Like as I, I'm literally I'm I'm rewatching the hippie land scene as we speak and, and just watching that I'm I'm getting jealous all over again because like that's one thing I wish I could have experienced is is that very dangerous ride. I absolutely would have ridden it. I would have been so scared and I would have never forgiven myself, but I probably. Now at this this theme park, was there also a uh, Jimi Hendrix penis rocket with crabs <laughs> for seats, where you know, the crabs claws were the seat belts that buckled? I I can't confirm nor deny, but I bet you on some of the rides you might get crabs if you sat on the seats. So you know hey, it's it's I wrote it's not down in my notes. Uh, are these are these crabs? Is there is there a Jimi Hendrix crab story we don't know about? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jimmy Hendrix had I crabs. Jimmy Hendrix probably had crabs. That's something. I mean, point. like not his whole life or anything, but he definitely got him. I'm something. sure he used the shampoo and the combs and got rid of it. But like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was that. It was a time, the 1960s. He, he had crabs. Completely. I'm gonna look era. up. I'm gonna look up Jimmy. Free love, Hendrix, free crabs. Crab story. Now, while you look up that story, which is great on a live podcast, thank you, <laughs> um, Rich. As uh, the rapper on today's show. Tell us uh, your impressions of the Hippie Land rap song. Honestly, if you're not going to be a rapper, but you're going to do something like this, like I, I personally just in a very real sense, I hate comedy hip hop. Comedy hip hop pisses me off. Like Rodney Dangerfield excluded because that's Rodney. But for the most part, like the. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. Rapping um, Rob, you got to keep rapping yeah, Rodney. Yeah. I mean, yo, no Rodney. respect. No respect. You know, but like uh, for the most part, I, I loathe that shit. But like. Again, it's Tommy Chong, and and honestly, I I enjoyed it. I personally enjoyed. it. I was like, you know, this this Same. is total. This is totally agreeable to me because it's not. It the one thing I'll say is it. I didn't feel like it was like necessarily lampooning anything because that's the one thing that usually no. It was me wildly off, like to me. It was wildly creative. Yeah, it was. You know, it, it was. was it's like oh oh, oh look what Uncle like, yeah. look what Uncle Tom Tommy's doing with with the bars. You know, like I, so that that. That 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 worked well with me. You know, a lot of the times I'm just like, especially with white people, it's just like, man, y'all are just veering into racist territory very quickly and not realizing it. Um, mm -hmm. so you know, that that didn't that didn't 
strike me as, as that at all. It was, you know, I, I found it pretty entertaining just because, you know, he's just, he's just, he's just doing Tommy Chong doing his thing and it didn't feel like he was poking fun or anything. He was just doing his thing. Yeah, I would I would listen to the Hippie Land rap song a million times before I watched one episode of Little Dickie's sitcom. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's a factual last statement. Like, actually, it's just like that's that song gives me. I laughed with the visuals. Did There's, you cry? No, I didn't cry, but you I didn't, didn't cry. I, but there was were you a crying moment you were laughing. There was a moment where I started on the second watching of this. My second watch of this film, I paid more attention to the lyrics. And like, it's just like part of that song is about fucking, which, you know, as a, as a kid who loved the two live crew, I'm like, this is, this is actually, this is all right. <laughs> like, I appreciated that moment. Um, and I think that was the difference is like, I mean, look, is, is it's one aspect of the scene. And I think because the movie has such a musical component thematically, as well as its soundtrack, it, it fits, it fits in the yeah. film. Definitely. Yes. I mean, also considering 1990, you've got, you know, it's, it's kind of, I think, starting to emerge more into the mainstream. So I, I think it's a respectful introduction of the genre and usage of the genre, I'd say. 100%. With it. With it.